Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lena, Corey Stiggs. Hey there, Corey. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Just uh, getting through some storms and tornadoes and crazy weather around here. How about wow. you? <laughs> well, minus the tornadoes, I'd like a little bit of rain over here. Send it my way. <laughs> oh gosh, we, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys another update on the Missouri v. Biden case and another win for free speech. Plus, we're gonna talk about the FBI hearing this week that really exposes just how much the weaponized agency has been illegally spying on Americans. We're, we also need to talk about this thing called a National Popular Vote Compact, and it's building steam, and they're plotting to circumvent the Electoral College. Um, I got yeah. an another good piece of information or a good win out of Tennessee for Tennessee's law to protect kids from harmful transgender treatments. And this is in comparison to the crazy stuff they're trying to pass in California or already have passed, endangering kids. But um, I know that we're going to have a, a pretty good chat on several kind of areas of this big, bigger topic about protecting kids. Just all about the media coverage uh, over Sound of Freedom, the child trafficking in general, and how the DOJ has been trying to cover up portions of their tra child trafficking section on their website. So, yeah, lots to get into that uh, today. Oh, yeah. Can we do it in an hour? <laughs> I think so. I think we always manage. <laughs> I don't know how. Let's get started. So um, this week, in a memorandum filed by the judge in the Missouri v. Biden case on, you know, the government's censorship of Americans that's been ongoing, and we talked actually about it last week. So this week, the judge rejected the government's motion regarding an injunction that was put in place that the court ordered last week. So this basically means that the, the judge the one that the one they did because they thought it would be in the best interest of the people, right? Yes. So this <laughs> means that the judge is standing firm on an injunction, and that injunction prohibits the Biden regime. So including the White House, the FBI, CDC, etc., all these various weaponized agencies from having any contact with big tech companies to censor free speech. So the judge reiterated in this memo this week that he believes the plaintiffs will likely win the case based on its merits and all the damning evidence that they uncovered during discovery. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to read the final conclusion of this um, memorandum the judge put out this week, because again, it reiterates what he said last week that about how he's standing firm on this. He says, the plaintiffs are likely to prove that all of the enjoined defendants coerced, significantly encouraged, and or jointly participated social media companies to suppress social media posts by American citizens that expressed opinions that were anti-COVID-19 vaccines, anti-COVID-19 lockdowns, posts that delegitimized or questions the, questioned the results of the 2020 election, and other content not subject to any exception of the First Amendment. 
these items are protected free speech and were seemingly censored because of the viewpoints they expressed. Viewpoint discrimination is subject to strict scrutiny. Although the preliminary injunction involves numerous agencies, it is not as broad as it appears. It only prohibits something the defendants have no legal right to do, contacting mm-hmm. social media companies for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech posted on social media platforms. So again, a win for free speech through this awesome landmark case, Missouri v. Biden, that we need to watch closely. And if anybody wants any more information on it, Tracy Beans has been on top of this from the beginning and always posting updates about it. So a thought just occurred to me, and I'm not a lawyer, so... I was just thinking all the individual cases of people, and we know some who have filed against Google, YouTube, uh, Facebook, you know, Twitter, uh, legal cases that have been filed against them for censoring. I wonder how, if the blame is shifted to the government and those organizations say, well, we were pressured, you know, are they, they then does that affect their cases you know what i'm saying right yeah i I absolutely think that this would set a precedent for all of those other cases that have been dismissed dismissed because of say lack of evidence um or failure to be able to um prove right but i'm saying government intervened i'm saying it shifts the blame could google potentially say well you know, it wasn't really us doing the censoring. We were being forced by the government and told we had to do this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would still think that the big tech f- companies would be held responsible um, I would like because to think they can't so. have Section 230 immunity if they are operating on behalf of the government. Right. <laughs> Right. To censor Americans. And what's right. been the problem in the past is that it was hard to prove that they were actually operate, operating as agents of the government. Um, so the discovery um, process of this particular case has been very revealing mm-hmm. in showing how there was direct coordination, um, particularly from the White House, but very much so from other um, agencies such as the FBI, CDC, you name it. Right. Yep. We'll take the win. Yeah, definitely take the win. And kind of speaking of the FBI, um, so this week, um, House lawmakers um, held a hearing with the FBI Director Ray. Um, this was really about just oversight and accountability of the FBI. Obviously, they are an agency that is beyond reform at this point. They need to just be completely dismantled. Right. But uh, lawmakers grilled Ray on the FBI's involvement in January 6th, otherwise known as the Fed Surrection. They also discussed um, that court case, Missouri v. Biden, and what the FBI was going to do about it, meaning like, you know, we have proof here that you've been censoring Americans. 
Um, <laughs> you can't be doing that. Um, but they also discussed reports, um, whistle, whistleblower testimony and internal emails, all showing how the FBI has been spying on Americans without warrants. And I'm not talking just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about over a million illegal FISA inquiries to spy on Americans. Yeah. Plus. No shocker. I mean, we already knew all this, but it's nice to see it come out publicly. Yeah, exactly. Plus, we're talking about obtaining uh, bank records for um, of Americans without warrant to search mm-hmm. for gun purchases. Yeah. And this is people who are not even considered to be suspects. Um, And then basically obtaining or stockpiling data on Americans bought from third parties. Um, And just basically compiling dossiers on millions of people um, based off of information that they purchased from third parties like big tech companies. And I remember we talked about this actually from a report that came out just a few weeks ago. Um, uh, and it was based off of an ODNI, Office of Director of National Intelligence report, confirming this, that they're purchasing data to be able to spy on Americans. The part that that my favorite line from Ray was when they were talking about the Bank of America and they kept asking him if if they requested the information from Bank of America. And he says, well, it's my understanding that they volunteered the information. We have business partners, including mm-hmm. financial institutions. Oh, so they're all partners with you. Hmm. Yes, yes. And you wonder why people trust the banks so much. Corey, not only did he say that, but he said, we work with our business partners, including banks, all Mm. the time. Like, (laughs) this is just one instance you caught us with. But we do this actually all the time, is pull records, bank records um, of people searching for things without warrants. They don't have to be suspects. And he's saying, he's claiming it's fully lawful. So I'm going to go no, ahead and play this not. clip. Uh, George Hill, former FBI supervisory intelligence analyst in the Boston field office, told us that the Bank of America, uh, with no legal process, was uh, gave to the FBI gun purchase records uh, with with no geographical boundaries for anybody that was a Bank of America customer. Is that true? Well, what I do know is that the uh, a number of business community partners all the time, uh, including financial institutions, share information with us about possible criminal activity. And my did understanding is that that's fully lawful. In the did specific, you, did you in the ask specific for that information? Instance, in the specific instance that you're asking about, my understanding is that that information was shared with field offices for information only, but then recalled to avoid even the appearance uh, of any kind of overreach. But my understanding is that that's a fully lawful process. We, was there a warrant involved? Again, my understanding is that the institution in question shared information with us, as happens all the time. Did you request the, the information? I can't speak to the specifics. Okay, well, we've got an email where it says the FBI did give the search queries to Bank of America, and Bank of America 
responded to the FBI and gave over this information without a search warrant, do you believe there's any limitation on your ability to obtain gun purchase data or purchase information for people that for people who aren't suspects from banks without a warrant? Well, now you're now you're asking a legal question, which I would prefer to defer to the lawyers, uh, since I'm not practicing as one right now, including the department. But what I will tell you is that my understanding is that the process by which we receive information from business community partners across a wide variety of industries, including financial institutions, sharing information with us about possible criminal activity is something that is fully lawful uh, under current uh, federal law. It may be lawful, but it's not constitutional. I no, 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 no. And, and share with us all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the stunning part is that he admitted that this is common practice yep. for them to obtain bank records without warrants of American citizens who are not suspects. And in right. particular, to do cross references on things such as gun purchases. So when when we and our listeners who are very well informed themselves are all warning people about big banks being able to uh, cut you off from certain access, certain purchases, being able to you know access your account, your money. Uh, that's no joke. That's no joke. I think we've we've the writing's on the wall. If people can't see this by now, no kidding. Of course, so, most people don't see these hearings, but they don't. That's why we're airing it. Right. It. That's why everyone <laughs> needs to share. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So one other clip I wanted to play, and this is reiterating what we just, we just talked a bit about, was the massive surveillance that they're conducting on American citizens. It's completely out of control. Over a million illegal FISA queries, um, buying from third parties, data to contain to stockpile on Americans, you name it. And also protecting the bride and Biden crime family. So I'm going to play this clip. The American people need to understand what just happened. My call, my Democrat colleague just asked the director of the FBI whether or not they are buying information about our fellow Americans. And the answer is, well, we'll just have to get back to you on that. It sounds really complicated. But I have other questions. I'm sitting here with my father. I will make certain between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. Well, you, you, you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, does not the has no oh, hold interest on. in You won't answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. But let's go from the uncurious to the downright nosy. How many illegal FISA queries have occurred under your leadership of the FBI? Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that, that assessment by the inspector general? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, actually, that's a 
a correct characterization of the Inspector General's uh, oh, well, findings on well, that. The internet will remind you but of I, that in moments. But, but let, let's now go to uh, what the, the court said. The court said it was over 200,000 that have occurred on your watch. Would, would, do you have any basis to disagree with that assessment? Again, I don't have the numbers I sit here right now. What I can Seems tell like you a number you should know. How many times the FBI's breaking the law under your watch? Hmm. I haven't I haven't seen that clip yet. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah. So speaking of Matt Gates, who you just heard in that hearing, um, just a couple of days ago, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, Massey, Crane, Rosendale, Biggs, and Luna submitted a resolution on to the House. And in this resolution, um, they go through the many reasons why FISA um, is abused and how it's abused and make reference to a um, court um, ruling and uh, which and, and discuss basically um, the 278,000 um, illegal queries of FISA. Um, by the FBI that you heard Matt Gates reference, hmm. among many other things. Um, but in this um, resolution, it says, resolved that it is the sense of the House of Representatives that the authorities under Section 7 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA Act, should be allowed to expired at, expire at the end of this calendar year. So that's what they're proposing. Um, we'll see if anything comes of that. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, here's what Jem, uh, Representative Jim Jordan had to say um, this week in regards to that. He said, uh, tweeting out, the FBI wants millions of dollars for a new headquarters. That's hmm. why he's there in the hearing to really put his hand out for more money. <laughs> it also wants FISA Section 702 reauthorized without changes. And plainly, he said, N-O, no. <laughs> so we'll see. But I, uh, you pointed this out to me, um, <laughs> which was pretty yeah. funny. Um, so kind of the FBI went on this sort of tweet storm following the hearing to try to debunk <laughs> mm -hmm. what the House reps said in that hearing. Uh, one of the tweets being um, this about January 6th, it said, before the House Judiciary Committee, FBI Director Ray asserted that any accusation that the Bureau was involved in orchestrating the violence that occurred at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, is a disservice to the efforts of the brave FBI of the FBI's brave and hardworking workforce. And what's Let's look at the ratio on that bad boy? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. So they got less than two thousand likes, only fourteen hundred retweets, but they got nearly fourteen thousand comments. Back most, back. Yeah, yeah, most of them being. <laughs> <laughs> um stuff to the effect of you're a liar you're corrupt you need to be disbanded we do not yeah. believe you yeah so yeah it shows you where people's heads are at on that issue everyone sees right through it and and yet they keep getting away with it 
Yep, they do. They're protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep state just protects itself. The apparatus c- keeps protecting itself and its power. Right. Yeah. So moving on to the next topic, um, I wanted to bring some attention to this. It's called the National Popular Vote Compact. So Michigan is the latest state to show interest in this national popular vote scheme, which is actually building steam. So the House Elections Committee in Michigan approved a bill to be sent to a vote on the House floor. So they'll be actually voting on this probably very soon. And the National Popular Vote Compact is basically a scheme by Democrat states to circumvent the Electoral College. And I hadn't heard anything about this, so I'm assuming other people haven't as well, and it's alarming to me. Already, 17 jurisdictions, so basically 16 states plus Washington, D.C., have passed similar legislation. So the compact is basically designed to get enough states to pass this law in each of their respective states to reach 270 electoral college votes, a simple majority, which is a simple majority of the 538 um, electoral college votes. Okay, so if they get to 270, then the compact goes into effect. And every state that is involved in this compact basically forfeits their electoral college votes to whoever is the winner of the national popular vote. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So as of right now, it's 16 states plus D.C. that have passed this law and they have at this point 205 electoral college votes. So these are the states. Um, As of 2023, the bill has been enacted by 17 jurisdictions possessing 205 electoral college votes, including four small states, which are Delaware, Hawaii, Rhode Island, Vermont, nine medium states, Colorado, Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, and Washington, and three big states, California, Illinois, and New York, plus the District of Columbia. Here's the breakdown here. All blue. Because there are several states, other states, in the process of considering this legislation. So if you look at the green, those are the ones who have already enacted laws. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, um, these are all you know heavily Democrat states. Um, and then you look at the orange ones, those have um, passed in one legislative chamber. Um, Arizona, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Virginia and Michigan, and then the yellow ones are indicating the um, its its passage by both legislative chambers, so Nevada, and then the blue one indicates a hearing by at least one legislative committee. So um, this is widespread. I didn't even realize it was such an issue. 
Um, yeah, I remember I remember this, you know, seeing this a while back, but I didn't realize how far they had gotten with this. Exactly. Yeah. So, so as I re- as I stated, they have currently 205 electoral college votes signed on. Mm. If they are successful in reaching 270 electoral college votes and this scheme isn't stopped or shut down, then presidential elections could be determined by popular vote. And what that means is essentially that densely populated Democrat-run cities and states that consistently have high amounts of election fraud could determine the winner, and less populated rural areas would lose every time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, not good. Not good. And their goal is what? They're aiming to get this all resolved by for 2028, correct? Yes. So although they have already got 205 electoral college votes from states that have signed on to this compact, it's not likely that they would be able to get it done by the 2024 presidential election. So their plan is to make it happen by 2028. But to do so, they'd have to win or steal the 2024 election and the 2026 election. So I'm pointing this out. (laughs) I'm I'm pointing this out now because I didn't know anything about this and haven't seen much reporting on it. And we need everyone to check this map, contact your state reps, and make sure they do not pass this national popular vote compact in any other state because if we allow this to continue it will cement the democrats plans to steal every election in the future which we already have low expectations about well and if anything this shows another reason why it's so important to focus on local legislation and working on things on a local level yes yes all right, so um, one final thing I was going to bring up, and then I'm going to kind of like hand it over to you. We can chit chat, um, you know, for the remainder of the time on this whole broader issue of protecting kids and child trafficking. But yeah. one, on one positive note, and kind of along that same vein, so just coming um, out recently, a federal judge recently ruled against a preliminary injunction to halt in the enforcement of Tennessee's law to protect minors from receiving dangerous transgender drugs and surgeries. So essentially allowing the law to take effect is what this ruling has done. Okay. So the judge ruled that Tennessee is likely to win in the, on the merit, based on the merits of the case. And the Tennessee law was scheduled to go into effect July 1st. And so now, since the court ruled this, it is now going into effect. So the judge's ruling warned against judicial activism, Mm -hmm. uh, which is taking place, uh, I might add, to fight against laws that have been put in place in various states recently to protect minors from trans treatments, not just here in Tennessee. But I also Mm -hmm. wanted to read the conclusion that this judge, um, you know, what he wrote in the conclusion, 
um, the various factors that he stated about the case and how they favor um, they favor the state. So um, the judge ruled that there are factors largely that favor the state. And it says, it continues, if the injunction remains in place during the appeal, Tennessee will suffer irreparable harm from its inability to enforce the will of the legislature to further the public health considerations undergirding the law and to avoid irreversible health risks to children. The ruling goes on to state both sides have the same fear, just in opposite direction. One saying the procedures create health risks that cannot be undone. The other saying that the absence of such procedures creates risks that cannot be undone. What makes it bearable to choose between the two sides is the realization that not every choice is for judges to make. And what he's implying here is that the legislators already decided. The people voted these the legislatures in, the legislators passed this law. They should be the ones that decide. But he goes on to state, as for the public interest, Tennessee's interest in applying the law to its residents and in being permitted to protect its children from health risks weigh heavily in favor of the state at this juncture. So another win, um, this being in the protection of kids from dangerous transgender treatments. Excellent. Yeah, because we have, I was just reading uh, Zero Hedge, which I believe they were pulling from an article on Epic Times uh, regarding the transgender summer camps that are coming about now. And that's just, that's just horrific. So um, apparently these are popping up across the U.S. and it's pretty crazy. I mean, people should, should really go in and, and read the full article here and what's going on because they even talk about, you know, the having gender neutral bathrooms and showers, but don't worry because if they're, if they're changing, they have closed stalls and um, it gets tricky because sometimes uh, a male or female, whether it be the summer camp head or a child attending, they're saying at the last minute they're changing and deciding, no, they want to be grouped with the females or with the males because they just decided to change their gender. How insane is this? It's oh, crazy. it's so insane. It's so insane. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine dropping my kid off at a summer camp and I don't know is it I mean I would imagine it's overnight because they're talking about cabins that some they of them stay not, in. not all of them but some of them are yeah overnight. sharing yeah. showers and bathrooms right. I mean the kind of stuff that could go on there without um, mm -hmm. parents knowing is well not just only that terrifying I, I don't recall his name from this article but this gentleman I believe that's pictured here he's a uh, I don't know if he's a psychologist, doctor, let's see, uh, director of the Dunes Addiction Recovery Center. So, but he was pointing out that, you know, when you, when you put a kid, first off, oftentimes it's like a phase they go through. Um, so he says, you know, if you take a child and then you throw them into a situation where everyone now is claiming to be or believes to be 
uh, have gender dysphoria and that they're a boy or a girl and the other sex, uh, now you're, you're really convincing them, you know, they're going to want to go along with that. And it, it becomes very confusing. So you're almost, um, it's, it's almost like you're breeding them, you know, you're grooming them. They're like grooming facilities. Really. They're grooming facilities. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the, it, it's really sick thinking mm. about it. Risky sleeping arrangements. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Not good. Mm. Wow. So, so moving on to uh, the whole uh, child trafficking that, you know, I know I've done reports on this going back six years. I know you've done some reports on some prolific um, pedophiles as well. Um, and I recently did see the sound of freedom and, you know, so here's the thing. I knew, we all knew it was going to be attacked, but to the degree that they came at it and mm-hmm. how they came at it, that, very, that, wow. Very because telling. They could have done was, was tried to say, um, th- they could have demolished the movie if they wanted to right mm-hmm. but then but then pointed out but you know child trafficking is a really important issue and according to our department of state which is in their human trafficking report which i've had over in my resources going back years and i've covered in my reports that it is a 150 billion dollar industry but they even laugh at that as though that's a conspiracy right. um so instead of at least separating the two and, and, and trying to, you know, make fun of, and, um, I mean, I mean, they went to the extremes to saying, oh, it's some far right paranoia and they're taking this over the top and it's oh, a yeah. whole QAnon conspiracy. Yeah. And- the QAnon thing. That's exactly what they, and God, this is such an old playbook. This is how they try yeah. to discredit things like from years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're still trying to pull that one out. I mean, what's so crazy, though, is it was like a single focused storyline and there was there was very little context, content in the in the form of until Caviezel's message at the end, which rolled after the credits. I feel like it should have run at the end of the movie before the credits started, um, because at that point, half the people already left. But. Uh, as soon as the credits start rolling, you know, people get up, they got to go to the bathroom. So anyways, it was a little two minute message where he did point out some statistics and how important this is and how everyone of all sides need to come together on this issue. Um, but in the movie itself, I mean, they made it sound like it was some totally outlandish, crazy, conspiratorial, yada, 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 and just downplayed child trafficking right almost like defending it almost defending it it was so repulsive it was it really showed their true colors oh yeah and then bad right and then simultaneously you hear this news right right the doj and i wasn't even aware of this so back in the day back when i was doing more reports on all of this um i was going into the uh, justice.gov site often like weekly i would go in there and i would look at the press releases and i would look at the the new uh updates of arrests and indictments and there was a whole section for child trafficking and um now now as the what is this uh war room points out 
the Department of Justice webpage chronicling what constitutes child sex trafficking and how the department is combating it underwent severe revisions on May 12th of this year, including erasing three sections on international sex trafficking of minors, domestic sex trafficking of minors, and child victims of prostitution. And they go on to point out um, some of the content that had been removed. And like, if you scroll down, this, I believe, is the old, this is how it used to read. Right. Uh, I used to have this portion on here. Yeah. Right. All of these, all this information used to be on it. Well, and now it reads very differently and they left out key information. And of course, um, with uh, the border issue going on right now, yep. uh, they're, they're downplaying that part of it as well. They I think that's bring, what this is all about. Honestly. Yeah, they, they don't want to bring any attention to that. Right. Uh, because and that, you know, coincidentally, all, you know, every all of this is kind of hitting at the same time as the movie coming out. So you've now got uh, the DOJ covering up. You've got I'm sure people from Hollywood have probably bashed the movie as well. And you've got all mainstream news. I mean, what does this tell you? They're protecting exactly. child traffickers. They're protecting because, pedophiles. Right, right. Because the Biden regime is the ultimate child trafficker and allowing the, the influx from the southern border. 85,000 children missing? It's insane. Yeah, we should play this clip. It's it's fairly short. And I don't know. Um, they basically compile because I can remember seeing pieces of this in the past, but it looks like they put together kind of a little compilation and it's got some significant statistics and data points in it. So I think we should go ahead and play that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. President Biden does not care about the fate of 300,000 plus unaccompanied children that have been placed with sponsors in the United States since he became president. We're here today because the Biden administration has utterly failed. It has failed to secure the border. And it has encouraged parents to send their minor alien children on a dangerous trip to the United States unaccompanied. And it's failed to protect these children after they were let into the United States. There's been a 357% increase regarding unaccompanied minors at our border. The policy choices of the Biden administration are creating an unending flow of children to this country. It's a conveyor belt of children being forced through the system. And what's the priority of HHS? Just get them out as fast as we can. They go to factories, they go to slave labor. I've written to the FBI and asked the FBI, where are the 80,000 plus children this administration's lost? They don't know. The New York Times illustrated that senior Biden administration officials like Secretary of Health and Human Services, Becerra, knew knew about this and continued to move children out of health and human services as fast as possible by loosening vetting requirements for sponsors. I have not received a response from the secretary on what has happened to 85,000 children. The point is Secretary Becerra needs to come before us. Every single person crossing the border now, if they want a good chance of surviving, have to pay a toll to the transnational criminal organizations. It was estimated that a year and a half ago, 
transnational criminal organizations were making $800 million a year in human trafficking. You know, you can't help as a mama think about your own children. And if we, um, as leaders of the greatest nation in the world, are not fighting to protect the most vulnerable, we are not doing our job. And let me be clear, even one child in the custody of human traffickers is horrific and wrong. But 127,000? This administration, no wonder Secretary Becerra is too scared to sit there. He should be embarrassed of that record. This is obviously a family crossing right here. Pretty sad situation to think that we have laws that would protect us from this that are not being enforced. HHS is responsible for them, and they can't find them. They don't know if they're dead or alive or trafficked or being worked. Why on earth? Would you not try and take the safest path to get here legally? Why on earth wouldn't you stop at a safe third country and say, I have a difficult, dangerous situation in my country, I have documentation to prove it, and I'm applying for asylum? What's wrong with that? We have incentivized the use of children in illegal immigration, and nothing will change until we change our policy. How much more alarming does it have to get that we would have the White House administration standing up here with us announcing the policies to improve it and announcing that we have a closed border. The kids are in danger. The kids are in slavery. The kids are being exploited. And it should not happen in the United States of America. Why in the world we would allow drug cartels to become rich off of our most vulnerable is beyond me. It's disgusting and it must stop. We need to do better than this. We must do better than this. We must show that we care about the fate of these children by doing our job. Yeah, that was really very well put together. I'm I'm glad they put that out. So yeah, it's definitely it's, it's you know i know our listeners are aware of this it's just you know i want to share information that everyone else can then share and continue to get this information out yeah so this is a report i did back in 2019 on church pedophiles and child sex trafficking nests intersect by the thousands what i did is i broke down gosh i don't know scroll down edge i don't remember if it was five or seven uh, individual nests just to show how they connect because back in uh, 20, 2018, I did a, a two-part series called Hunting the Hunters. I highly recommend people go in and read this because it's inside the minds of elite corrupt. And I break down um, how these nests operate and the people involved, you know, in order to have uh, this network working properly and be protected there's almost always people that are inside like the local court systems social workers law enforcement child protective services oftentimes there's uh shelters um churches involved you uh, you know i've come across dentists and doctors attorneys right it's endless amounts of these professionals that you're supposed to be able to trust that have worked together and formed these networks where they move children through. And what's amazing is, you know, I actually took the time back then and read through the um, massive human trafficking report that our department of state puts out annually. 
And what's comical, not comical, but comical and sick is that, you know, we have this tier system we create. I think I've talked about this before, where it's like a level um, one, two, three tier. Uh, gosh, now I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to remember if one's the worst or three's the worst. Do you remember? No. <laughs> it was like five years ago I was reading through this. But what they do is they rank countries and they say, okay, well, now that you've hit this tier, we'll, you know, you'll be included in our wonderful funding because the U.S. is just great at funding other countries. However, uh, if you reach this tier in human trafficking and in human rights abuse, then you're cut off. When the reality is the U.S. is one of the biggest consumers of child pornography, as well as very involved in trafficking and purchasers, consumers. Right. You know? And so when when we say, oh, there's 85,000 missing children that have come through the borders, I just can't even imagine the networks they've moved into. Yep. And, you know, uh, kids here in the U.S. are trafficked as well. It's not always in the other countries or coming through the other countries. Right, right. And I think that they oftentimes, I've heard this, that they often use so-called crises or actual crises as cover, such as the war in Ukraine or the earthquake in Haiti or various other humanitarian crises that are exploited, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, what was I going to say here? So, so yeah. Oh, that one on, uh, this is an important read because this isn't just about the Clintons, obviously, but I was tying together. This is um, our Bill and Hillary Clinton involved with child trafficking. That was from 2019. And the reason I did that for obvious reasons is all these people that have been not every single one in this report, but but many of them in this report, most of them have already been convicted, sentenced, um, certainly since I wrote that in 2019. But in because it just shows the power players that are involved in this and why right. they've been protected and how they're protected and the connections they have. And I, I get into um, I don't have it up on my end, but if you scroll down, I get into the. Um, you know, the missing, this one here, the Hillary's involvement with the International Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And we have the national, we have the international, and we've got the, uh, they worked with, uh, if you scroll down to the one with the map on, they were very involved. The Clinton initiative was involved in, yeah, I got into the funding there too, right there. The global modern day slavery directory, which was a Clinton global initiative, you know, they partnered with the Polaris Project on this in 2009 to build this anti-trafficking approach. And, and wow. they build all these systems. And, and I they... personally believe when you look at the statistics of numbers going up instead of down, I personally believe are more like tracking devices for yes. them. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, Sick. So this is a really important report with a lot of information, not just on... Uh, the individuals, but on how they have used these um, platforms, these tools to track, you know, there's, yep. I know there's, 
things with cell phones. Um, there's other kinds of devices where they say, oh, just register your child here. And that way it'll keep them safe. And it'll automatically send out an alert if they're missing and this and that. No, 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 no. You're giving them direct access to track your children. Right. Or like um, that, um, that Senate video that they just put out, the Senate Republicans put out, where they talk about how they create such an influx, such a crisis, and like just way too many um, people to keep track of. And then they like rush through the approval process to release these kids to who Mm -hmm. knows, who knows? I mean, like with no documentation, uh, proving any kind of, you know, parental rights or anything like that. Right. 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 And these people that are giving their children to sponsors to get through the country or, you know, stop, <laughs> stop, Please, Louise. Yeah. So I, I also wanted to, you know, while this is going on, in addition to the media and big gov, you know, trying to act like, oh, we don't have an issue with child trafficking, even though it says so in our own reports from our Department of State. In the meantime, they're hitting really hard with the gender and the sexuality and gender dysphoria. And and we've got, you know, people like Planned Parenthood, which really needs to change to Planned Prevention, because there's nothing about the word parenthood that even fits into this, is, I mean, this is like, I had to look at this several times and keep going back to the account going, hmm, well, it's 331,000 followers. Yes, this is Planned Parenthood Federation. Yeah, yeah, you know? Right. <laughs> like, is, this isn't... This, going, this can't be right, real. Right, right. They say... Don't yuck someone else's yum. Everyone deserves the freedom to explore their own sexuality free of shame and stigma. And they have this little GIF image that says stop kink shaming with like ball gigs and whips and handcuffs. I mean, this is this and is it's very kid friendly looking too. Like right? I mean, doesn't that look very childish? Yes. It and doesn't the, look and like the, handcuffs. It looks like little donuts. And, and the, oh, that, that just looks like a little like ping pong paddle. What are these things? Right. <laughs> and it's and it's also the implication of the darker side of things, which is like, let's stop shaming even pedophiles right let's call them maps minor attracted persons you know well that's where this is headed i mean that's that's you know what we've been warning about forever what we've all been warning about um and and if you go to uh planned parenthood's uh twitter feed and you just scroll through it and within the first dozen tweaks you can see immediately you know they're all about prevention all about abortion all about do not have babies and um puberty blockers and gender and sexualization um like this one oh In- sorry here wait yeah. go back to that internal condoms are underrated you could put them in and they have typos in your the vagina or your anus to prevent pregnancy protect against STIs, and they can even increase sexual pleasure. You can insert them for up to eight hours in advance, so there's no break in the action. I mean, they... First of all, I'm offended because they called it vagina. It's supposed to be (laughs) bonus hole. Didn't you hear, Corey? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh <laughs> my God. I'm telling you. And, and they've got, um, they just go on and on about different forms of, of birth control. And we saw it last week. We saw the whole virginity is, is just, uh, Oh, it's a social construct. Yeah. Social construct. (laughs) And, and then we've got, um, you know, fertility awareness methods and ways to track your fertile days of the month so you can prevent pregnancy. They don't, they don't want kids and the kids that are out there, they want to take and transition them and confuse the hell out of them. Yeah. So transparent. Yeah. So the whole sexualization thing though, we already know they're, they're going to keep pushing forward on all of this. And there's obviously a very high target on children and all these arenas we're talking about. And so they are, they're going to, they're going to do their best to normalize uh, pedophilia and, it's just, man, we all got to stay on this. Yeah. And so, you know, thank goodness for Sound of Freedom. I mean, because it did raise some awareness. I've seen more conversations about that. And um, also kind of on the tales of this last Pride Month, which was just outrageous. Um, and then the many, many um, laws that have been passed through various states, particularly this year being sort of like a record-breaking year for that right. and protecting kids um, against these dangerous transgender treatments and stuff. I do see some momentum building um, on that front of right. fighting for the protection of children. Absolutely. And you just, you know, you got to wonder, so people who do sit and watch ABC or CNN or any of these um, or even, you know, read the guardian or these papers and they see the way they're bashing the movie, but then they, they, they literally come out and say that like, it's being over exaggerated or there's paranoia about child trafficking. You got to wonder what some of these people are thinking. Cause you know, some of them are in fact aware of, and very concerned about the level of child trafficking. So yeah, what's you that gotta wonder, do, you know? don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hmm, why are they fighting? Not fighting for this? That's a little odd. Absolutely, should raise huge red flags for people. Yep, very revealing. All right, I think that about covers it for today. And we did actually make it within the hour, Corey. Even though we, we had did. so many topics, I, I think we even cut we even cut it short. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for joining us this week on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on Fit the Bit Shoot, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. No longer on YouTube, so please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms, and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Mm-hmm.